What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vane Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller, and I just had like a bubble pop up in my throat for some weird reason. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm your host, and today we got Jake Hofer on from Exodus Outdoor Gear, as well as who do you do you do you sell for like Midwest Land Group? Who do you like technically work for on the real estate? Uh, side? I worked with a company called Land Pros, um, Land and Pros. so that's yep. So that's where I'm at um, as of right now. So yeah, um, got licensed in college, and it's been a really fun and interesting ride. And started working with Exodus fresh out of college as well. So it's been it's been fun. So you've been at the same. So you had the same. How old are you now, Jake? I'm 28. So you've been there for seven, six, seven, six, seven years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Man, expand your horizons. You got to quit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at how much how much uh, turnover most people have, but especially today and how people transition to, you know, climb whatever ladder they're trying to do so. But I've been really fortunate with Exodus to obviously be a co-owner now. Um, so that's been. Oh, uh, that's nice. A, Good for you, yeah, dude. That's so, fantastic. That's a, yeah, that's a blessing. So I've been able to um, kind of ride that. Um, not really ride it because it's been a lot of work, but I've been part of the ascension of Exodus uh, throughout those six, seven years. And then um, land has been really fun and exciting as well. And I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I, I love working with clients, buyers and sellers, and just um, learning more from other people as well. It's uh, really enjoy it. Yeah. So I want to touch on the hiring thing. So, so I've become a, a manager at my company now and I got to hire people. So I, we get these resumes in and I will tell you the first people that I kind of like cut out of the list for, for, first of all, like I ask for like, currently we're looking for a, a person in St. Louis and people from like Dallas and LA and New York city apply. I'm like, well, okay, you're like, you're out. Like I can't, I need someone on the ground there. Mm-hmm. And the other, the other thing is I will look through their like LinkedIn profile and they spend one, like yesterday, there's one guy who's, who has had eight different jobs in the last eight years. And I'm Whoa. like, dude, there's no, like, I don't have any faith that you're going to, <laughs> stick I'm going to hire you. And then you're going to stick around. You know, that's probably, that's like one of the big, I don't know. Maybe people think it's like an experience, like, Oh, I want a lot of experience. Like I, I have all this experience at all these different places, but I feel like <clears throat> if you're somewhere for like nine months, you really don't know. Like you're like just getting like deep into it and understanding. They're like, all right, I'm out of here. I don't like it. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, I, I see both sides of that. Obviously I don't have the the experience in that, but I guess if you, if you hate a job or you don't like it, I understand that. But man, maybe you're the problem after you jump around, you know, eight different jobs in eight years. Uh, yeah. All your managers can't suck. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. And that is kind of an, an off tangent, but it's just one of those things for everybody listening. Like I, I, if you can like grid it, grid at, grid it out, like grind it out until you find the job that you want rather than hopping all around. Cause from a managerial perspective, no one wants to hire someone they think they're going to leave in six months. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas obviously you are the total opposite. You've never left. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a loyal guy. Um, and, and really, it's been so fun just to be able to grow with that. I mean, I started as an intern, making like, literally next to nothing, and then um, have seen the company grow. And then uh, it was just Chad and I there for a while. And then, you know, we hired more folks. And now we have a team of eight. So it's been, it's been really uh, special. And I've, a lot of learning experiences in the short amount of time as well. So it's, uh, it's been really cool. Yeah. Oh man. I, I bet. And I've kind of, I've had Exodus cameras for, I think 
four or five years now. Um, and what really caught my eye along a long while back, if anyone's listening to this, and I, we we obviously Chad, I think you've been on the podcast a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a, a five year, like no BS warranty. That just really caught my eye. Cause I was getting cameras stolen left and right on, um, on public ground. And so I was like, dude, man, I need something. And you guys were like, yeah, you can put a camera out. If it gets stolen, we'll give you 50% off your next one. Like no questions asked. So we we're just, I was like, all right, down with that. Good there. So, and I haven't had any of my cameras broken. I have had the, um, on the track, which you guys don't make anymore, but the, the, the track, the, what do you want to call it? The, the door that opens, yeah. like I've had that ripped off yeah. and then the SD card taken out. But besides that, I haven't had any stolen. So I haven't had to use the warranty, which is nice. <laughs> do, you, do you need a new door? We can ship you one. No, like I, they, they cracked it. Like. It, it works. It still works okay. just fine. Well, it's if you, not if you need something, we can replace the parts. That's uh, we <laughs> right. can just ship them to you. Gotcha. Well, I'll, I will keep that in mind. Um, but I, you guys just released a new trail camera. So I want to talk about that. But before we get there, I wanted to chat. One of the things that I know I personally have experienced, and I know a lot of other people that I've talked to have experienced is like, you'll roll through the season. Maybe you hunt at a buddy's place. Maybe you hunt at a lease. Um, and you're just not getting what you want. Um, and you're just not having the experience that you're looking for. And one of the things that is constantly going across your mind is like, man, I just need to get my own 40 or I need to get my own 20, or I need to try to like find a hundred acres or whatever it is and go in with some buddies. Um, you're just like, yeah, you're just, you lost a lease, like public ground, you're running into people left and right. Like, it's just not what you're looking for. So I wanted to talk about land buying and selling and what that looks like in the market and all that jazz. And I know um, that you you do that as well. And so it seems like you've come on like stronger with that in the last couple of years. Have you always kind of like practiced on the side, but then just. Yeah. Um, so a quick story with that. I got licensed my senior year of college and then, you know, I'm fresh out of, fresh out of school. So, I mean, I would do a couple deals here and there. And then uh, my wife now and I lived in St. Charles, uh, which is uh, the West suburbs of Chicago. She worked uh, at a company called Adco. And so logistically, it, that's I was very focused on Exodus at the time, still am, but there was I was not able to sell real estate then. So then eventually moved back to where we're from. And that's been really the last three or four years. And it's really, to your point, it's ramped up since then because I'm, I'm back in my backyard when someone calls, well, what do you know about this? Well, I know a lot about that one. And so um, this is where I grew up and I just thoroughly enjoy that. And um, so, yeah, it's been really good. Obviously, the market has been very favorable as well. <clears throat> so 2020 yeah. to, to really, I would even say that quarter three last year was uh, really strong. It's still, <laughs> it's still pretty strong right now in terms of... Uh, buyer demand uh, with lack of inventory. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to dive into to any questions you have because I think uh, it still could be an exciting time to buy right now. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're if you're looking to buy, like there's a few things that, that I think about is, <clears throat> or at least like, I'm trying to think about how to frame this up. We're like, if, if you're trying to buy, all right, there's a couple ways you can go about it. Right. You can go about it based on how big of a piece you want um, or is it just the right piece and you don't really care about the price or is it what monthly payment you could afford? Like there's there's few different like ways you could go around that. Like if you have like 30 grand sitting in your bank account or 20 grand or you've saved up 
and 20 grand, if you're looking at like a 20% down type of thing, that would put you into, what is that? The hundred, the hundred grand range, right. For a piece of property, or like there's the other, other, other loans. You talk about this stuff because you know it way more than I do. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different things. I, I say, I mean, I'm glad you bring that up because I think shopping for a bank is almost as equally as important as shopping for the parcel. Um, different banks are going to provide different rates, different loan products. Uh, if you're looking at a size, a parcel of that size, maybe a credit union would be another option. Um, there's a bank here in Illinois uh, that I work with a lot. Uh, a lot of clients work with uh, does 15% down. So obviously that gets you a little bit more buying power and uh, that's a great thing. Obviously it, it's all those options you named that to me are all intertwined and they all have importance. It's just how for whoever you are, which one's the most important, but, um, I would just say number one is like getting pre-approved and shopping and talking with some banks is really, really important. And just doing that and saying like, Hey man, I'm looking to buy my first piece of ground. I'm, I am new to this, but I want to learn what your loan products are. This probably isn't going to be my one and only piece. So I'm looking for a bank to work with over a long time. And, you know, obviously we look at, I got my marketing hat on right now, but you look at like the lifetime value of a customer, lifetime value of a land buyer over the course of 20, 30 years is, really important to the bank. And obviously they, they're, they're numbers guys and, and, and relationship guys too. So um, remember that when you're talking with them and, and just find one that's willing to work with you and be maybe a little bit flexible or at least listens to you and answers your questions and not uh, here's the box. Are you in the box? Yes, no. Okay, move on. And, and so I think finding a bank like that is really important um, in terms of the payment side of things. That's, that's a little bit complex because to me, Let's say you find a parcel that's all timber. There's no income on it. Hold on a second. Wait, wait. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I want to back up to the bank thing. I want to cover cover that one. Um, before you move on, so so keep those in the in the other things in the back of your head. So if you're looking for for a bank, um, like are there are there certain banks like are rural banks more willing and more open yeah, yeah. to working with you versus like a bank in downtown Milwaukee or downtown Chicago? Typically, yes. So this is this is what I've learned. So um, I bought two parcels now, uh, one where I live and then another one. <clears throat> well, where I live with my house was a little bit bigger of a bank because it was a there's a house on it. So it's a little bit more of a traditional loan. And that's a, you know, it was a cheaper, it was a cheaper rate, long term fixed. And then the other parcel, uh, that same bank where I bought my house, the loan, it was like a one to about a one and a half percent variance between the two. So like on the house, it was cheaper to go with the bigger bank on the other parcel that was just strictly land. It was cheaper to go with a single branch bank here in Illinois. And there's like literally only a handful of those. And it was literally, it was, it was so easy to go from compared to that buying the house process and paperwork and everything else, which obviously house a little bit more complex and dealing with the bank for going into the office and signing some papers with, with a wet ink signature and like, <laughs> and like shaking his hand saying, thanks. And uh, him saying, yeah, if you need anything, give us a call. So the long and short of it is <clears throat> I think knowing what type of property you're buying, but if you're, if we're just talking about strictly recreational land, I'd say smaller banks are definitely a great place to go. Let's say you're in the Milwaukee area and you're looking in Western Wisconsin or a more rural part of Wisconsin, call the local banks where you're looking and just say, Hey, I'm looking to buy a piece of ground in this County. <clears throat> uh, can you tell me a little bit more about your loan products? Uh, this is a little bit about me. And that's the other thing. This is another tip too, that I've learned when you get your credit pulled for them to do a pre-approval. There's like a, and I wish I had the fact in front of me because it's like a 60 day, I want to say 
grace period where you can get your credit pulled like a hundred, a limited amount of times. So mm. it, where it doesn't ding it. So it's only one hard pull and then, okay, now I already have the hard pull. I'm going to call as many banks as I can and let them pull my credit because it's not going to hinder um, your credit. Gotcha. So, okay. Ah, that's a great, that's a great piece of advice. And I know credit is something that people are, everybody work towards to, to try to build up and make sure that you have borrowing power when you go into that conversation, you get the best rate possible. Um, single branch bank. Uh, that is a bank that has one office. <laughs> that's correct. correct. They're, yeah. they're a dying breed. Unfortunately, it's either it's, this is the, this is, I've had multiple bankers say it's either get bigger or die. And that's pretty much every business, but that's the, that's what they're seeing. So enjoy them while they're around <laughs> and, and let's say, <laughs> and maybe some of them consolidate, but <clears throat> with, with those types of banks and uh, another lender where I send a lot of business to, they have five branches, but they're still small. You still deal with the same guy. Um, I texted a banker on Monday when it was Martin Luther King Jr. I was like, hey, do you, uh, I didn't know if he was going to be in the office or not. He's like, no, yeah. but he said, if you need something, just give me a call. I mean, that type of relationship you'll never get at a, a large institutional lender. Right. Yeah. And I have to imagine it's uh, it's similar to going to like a local archery shop versus a Cabela's. Like mm -hmm. you're going to, not that there's like a problem with Cabela's because I go there all the time, but like, if you know exactly what you want, you know what you're looking for and you know what the prices are, like go to Cabela's. But if you're looking for help and you want to create a relationship with somebody and you want to feel important, I have to imagine your $200,000 loan is more important to that single branch bank than it is to Chase, right? Like there are Chase is like, I don't give a shit about you. Like, here's the rate, <laughs> take it or walk away, yes. right? Whereas a single branch guy is going to be a little bit more lenient and work with you a little bit more. And, and you're going to get that personal relationship, especially like if you think that you're going to be purchasing multiple pieces over the, your life, like, you know, rolling through. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Yeah. I, I just wanted to kind of pin that topic just because I think that's, that's really important in terms of navigating that system. Mm -hmm. Um and what you're able to do and what you're not able to do and talking to them about your plans. Cause if you're looking to, I had a buddy who built, um, who bought a piece and then was looking to build on it. And the, and he went through a smaller banker and the banker was like, okay, I know like it's a, you have the money to put like 30 or 40% down on this. So we have a lower payment. However, if you're looking to build on this, you actually don't like with us, you don't want to give us all your money because you want that cash and reserve for building mm -hmm. in case there's things that like, cause you're going to get a loan through us for the build as well. Like we're going to monitor the build and all the pricing that's going to happen with that build. If you keep cash in reserve for you, there are certain things you're going to be able to do that. You're just going to be able to pay for rather than um, having to come to us for more money or have to have us approve an additional loan or something like that. Like, Mm -hmm. just kind of separate those two to make sure that you're going to be better off and we're both going to have a better relationship. Like, I don't want to have a conversation with you when you're planning on your building a, a cabin for 150 grand and all of a sudden it's 180. And I'm like, maybe you're going to get that extra 30. Like I, you know, like I don't want to have to like approve all that knickknack stuff. Like if you just mm -hmm. keep the 30, then you're solid. Yeah. Right. No, that's on your owner. That's the, that's the importance of having a, a good, straightforward, I mean, they're a resource at the end of the day to, for information and knowledge and helping you make the best decision that you can. And one thing too, just the variance, <clears throat> the first parcel I bought, which um, that single branch bank is really awesome. I really like them. I still bank there. 
However, it was a, their down payment is 30%, which is a lot. Yeah. And so, um, so if I were to move forward, I'd probably go with another bank where that does 15%. So obviously that just is a lot more purchasing power. There's nothing wrong with putting more money down, but you, you don't have as much punch power to, to purchase something. So that's just, right. that's just the variance of how much this bank is 30% down non-negotiable. This bank is 15% down. So that that's how different it is. And that's why, that's why I encourage people to shop a lot. Yeah. It, and that was with your same credit score. That's kind of wild. Yeah. They just, they just have different underwriting and different, um, different things. That, Policies. Yeah. Someone thought you were riskier, Jake. Well, this is what it is. I mean, like from what I understand with the banking side of things too, there's, if you do that, it's a lot less. So it, if they do 30% down, I think it's less work on their back end when they get, when the state comes in and looks through all their paperwork, like, well, we get 30%, like they cannot be underwater on anything sure. 30% down. So I think it's just, uh, it's how they operate with their business. It's very easy. I didn't have to pay for an appraisal because I put 30% down. So I mean, I saved a little bit of money there. So it's just, yeah. every bank operates a little bit differently. That's what I've learned. Hmm. All right. No, good to know. Good to know. All right. So moving on from banks, the next thing you were talking about and where I interrupted you was um, what the type of ground is, like you said, like timber or egg, or are you kind of going down that path? Yeah. So in terms of a monthly payment, a little bit of income actually does help you. Let's say, let's say you can have your budget is $1,400 a month. So I don't have a spreadsheet in front of me, but let's say it's $1,400 a month. That's what I can afford. Um, that's what I can carve out <clears throat> with a, a side hustle and everything else. So a straight timber track, you're going to be looking at a much cheaper parcel because there's going to be you know no annual income period. So then if you look at a mixed use piece that maybe has some CRP or some uh, tillable, you're going to get a larger parcel. And how I look at this, and this is just my personal opinion, just this is not a real estate broker. This is just Jake over telling you my opinion. So um, with a piece with a little bit of income, you're going to be able to leverage just a little bit better, meaning you're going to be able to get something a little bit bigger. That income is typically usually guaranteed, whether it's CRP or the cash rent. And let's say it's uh, you're just getting the county average. You're not asking for anything crazy. That income is basically guaranteed. So now you can buy a farm that's maybe 20, maybe 30% bigger, which is a little bit more leverage. And you still have the same exact payment. And obviously an open ag field isn't necessarily going to be great for hunting. Maybe it is if you, if you do leave some standing crops, but the long story short is a little bit of income can really help with your monthly payment because we're, you know, let's say you get $6,000 a year of annual income. That's $500 a month. So now you can buy a, you know, a more expensive farm. Yeah. That would effectively, like if your budget would be 1400, and you're getting 500 a month in rent, that would effectively put you up into the 1900 range, which then like exactly what you said, that'd be like a 25% increase in the size of your piece. So boom, there you go. And you can do that. And that rent, you know, that's one of the things is you got to work with the farmer on that. One of the, it's a, that's an important thing to, to look at. Cause when we, when we bought our piece, there's 25 acres of tillable and the going rate is about 175 an acre, 150 an acre from the farmer to us. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know what that math is right off the top of my head. It's probably like four grand a year, five grand a year is what we were expecting. Um, and when we, after we bought it, um, we talked to the farm and the farmer's like, man, I've been paying two grand a year for this piece for the last 20 years. Like yeah. I'm going to continue paying two grand a year and I don't want to give you any more. <laughs> and we're like, 
okay. So you are like, I think you overpaid in the beginning or like you've never adjusted this. So we talked to them and we're like, look, like you're offering us effectively 80, 80 bucks an acre. CRP is offering us $130 an acre. Like we would like to keep it with you for 130, but like at the end of the day, we need the money too. And he was like, I'm not paying 130 an acre. And we're like, okay, then we're going into the CRP program. Mm -hmm. Um, and that wasn't, and we, we parted amicably. Like he, he owns a boatload of land and he's like, your 25 acres is not. That's the thing. That yeah. They important. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So, and I was like, okay, like, that's totally cool. Like, I don't, we don't want to be a, a dick, but at the same time, like that, that helps us, you know, that's almost a, a that's 160% increase. Mm-hmm. And then it allows us to gain more money out of that, which then allows us to do a little bit more with the property. Um, yeah. And I think that's, yeah, because I think that's one of the things when we were shopping around and looking at land, um, it was, uh, that was one of the things that kept consistently coming up is trying to find pieces with income and also timber um, and then understanding what that income was. It's great. Yeah, one one great opportunity when you're buying as well. I mean, there's a lot of parts in the country where that situation you described happens a lot where it's a guy that's been farming it for a very long time. And there's never been like an escalation clause or they've never revisited that. I mean, not, you're not asking, you're at, what you guys were asking was very fair. And so let's say you bought that and then you double the income of the parcel. Well, that makes the parcel worth more money too. And you're not, um, mm. you're just getting the fair market value. Like you're just getting it to market value. I'm not saying go in there and be greedy. Just get what it's worth. And, and if he doesn't want to do it, I would think someone else would want to do it it um so that's something that i would just consider of looking at those different things like man if i i think here cash rents a little bit more um here in illinois but let's say it was 175 and you get a 275 and there's 20 acres well that's uh you know that's a, a decent amount amount of cash um that you're adding to the farm and now the roi is a little bit different for the next guy that comes along and looks at it right so that's that's an easy thing to fix with just a little bit of people skills yeah yeah i, I agreed there so what about, um, what about timber value? Like, do people really look at that? Man, timber fascinates me. It absolutely fascinates me. I try, I'm, so this is what I've, this is, this is why land excites me so much. Uh, like we just talked about, there's so many inefficiencies in the market, period. Whether it's cash rent, whether it's timber, whether it's the land parcel itself, like the market is not as efficient as residential real estate, as commercial real estate, as the stock market, it is by far the most inefficient market. And one of of the categories that is mentioned, I feel timber is the most inefficient because no one knows anything, man. Like it's such a guarded industry, and uh, it's very it's it's an art form in terms of like trying to grade trees or understanding you know this tree is not going to be good, this tree is good, this tree is probably hollow. So yes, to answer your question, people do look at that. I think some people are maybe a little bit too aggressive with wanting to buy something and just cut the timber right away. that That's stored value on the parcel. I mean, you don't have to cut it. I mean, it, it's a great option that's there, but do you really want to strip the equity right away, change the feel of the farm, change the look of the farm? That's uh, that's something I battle with. But yeah, I mean, it's certainly, it's there. It should be addressed. And But when you cut a 100-year-old tree, just remember it's a 100-year-old tree. And sometimes farms need cut too. So, I mean, it's, once again, it's a it's an evolving process of what your goals are. And I think what's most important is what's best for the habitat. Yeah. Yeah. That's so we've had two guys come out to look at our timber. One of them said, 
that you could pull 10 to 15 grand off of here in trees for the next like five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. Like you could do that. Um, and the other guy was like, you could pull 40 grand in trees exactly. out of here for the next like three years. And we were like, okay, why, what is the difference? Which one is it? Yeah. yeah. Right. Cause there's, and then it is in managed forest land as well, which is a, a state Wisconsin state run. I don't, do you have MFL in Illinois? Yes. Okay. So if you don't have MFL, it's a uh, managed forest land. Sometimes it's open to the public. Like every year we have to like re-enroll in it or not every year, but we signed an agreement for, I think, I forget how many years, but you, there's this checkbox that says, do you want this open to the public? And I'm like, no, I don't, <laughs> but they, you can have that ability and they give you a little bit better price on what it is, but effectively it, it allows our taxes to be $0 um, on managed forest land. So we don't pay anything for, I think we have of, of our 110 acres, we have like 70 of it in MFL. So we pay zero taxes on that. And then they come in and they it's managed forest. So then they have a biologist, the state does, that comes in and looks at your property and they give you a cut schedule. They're like, you need to cut ma these mature trees in this time frame, And it's like a two to three year window, but you have to have someone come in and cut these and we can supply that person for you. You can go find them yourself. Like you just, when, when you decide to do this within this window, when it has to be done, you need to like, everything has to be approved through us. So what they're effectively doing is like looking at the most mature portions of the property and going and cutting there. Um, and so we have a ton of walnuts on our property, a ton of really old, big walnuts. And one of the guys was saying, Oh, I forget. It was a friend of a friend. He was like, man, once they hit 20 inches or 21 inches in diameter or something like that, that's when they really become valuable. Like there's like yes. some sort of magic number there. It goes, for the it's a, it's a Doyle scale. So what it is, is it goes up exponentially. So the boards per square, like the boards per boards per foot goes up exponentially. So even though it's an inch, let's say a 18 inch to a 22 inch. And I have a ruler in my truck. I have, that's how nerdy <laughs> I am about this. I have a ruler with me at all times. So when I look at a tree, I can look at this, I can measure the diameter. I can look to see how tall roughly um, the first board is going to be. So like, all right, it's 10 foot board, it's 18 inches. And that means I can get 150 board square per square foot. Walnut's going for $3 a board foot. So then boom, that log is worth that. And then you can go to the next one. So um, yeah, so that's exactly right. The bigger it gets, the better um, exponentially okay. or more valuable it gets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then that was one of the other things is <clears throat> in that window time frame, they're like, you have to cut in these next three years or whatever, or you're supposed to cut. And it seems like, like in, <clears throat> in MFL, like our, our representative from the state is like super wishy-washy. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's just like, well, you're supposed to do it this year, but I don't think it's a good year to cut. So like, we'll just push it to next year. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, Which... and, and the other, uh, the other big piece was that um, in that window, we're like, well, how long can we hold out? Because like every, if you're assuming like every year you're getting an extra quarter of an inch or maybe yep. like a half an inch, depending on soil or whatever it is, like, you're like, dude, I need to hold out for another year another four, three yeah, years. Four, four years would be you know fantastic to, <laughs> to get to the next level yeah and that's and that's why that's why timber is so dynamic to me um i just recorded a podcast for the land podcast with with pat porter he's down south and, and timber is a much larger industry where he's at and uh 
he's he's bought and sold a ton of parcels over the years and he's been in a lot of land deals and he he says it is more important to hire a forester than it is to hire a real estate agent and he's a real estate agent by trade so that, that helps illustrate how important that is i was like man you're gonna put us out of work <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's and that's just because they can go in there and look at all that they just do it every day and and like all those nuances that we're talking about like there's there's 10 grades of of timber and then i'm like there's just so much and I try to like I'm a, I'm pretty much self-taught with everything, whether that's good or bad. YouTube University, and I just <laughs> I just cannot find any good information on timber. And if there's someone listening that's like, oh, buy this textbook, I will buy it and read it because I'm just so fascinated with it. So uh, I hope hopefully someone reaches out because I, to your point, it's like it's just such an inefficient thing, and I want to learn more. Yeah. So for everybody listening, it's at Jake Hofer. Yeah, appreciate Yeah, yeah. Reach out to Jake. Let him know. Um, and CC me on that as well. Absolutely. I'd be interested in 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 that as well. Um, but yeah, that's a whole nother piece that you can look at in terms of what a what a property's worth, right? Let's just say you're you're trying to buy a two hundred acre piece, and you're gonna get six grand an acre or six grand a year in rent. But then each year you can also pull off five to 10 grand in logs in like effectively a select cut. You get to work with a local person. They come in, they pick eight trees, 10 trees a year, and they can sneak in there outside of deer season, cut those down, take them out, and then you get paid on that too. And that's going to help your payment on it. 100%. Right. You're going to lose that like mature growth area, um, which is. That's the hard part I have with my, my own dad. He's like, I don't want to cut these. Cause this is the area where the woods is nice and open and it's pretty and it's beautiful. And there's sure. no like major underbrush or anything. And you can go walk around and I'm like, yeah, that's not, that's not good for deer hunting. That's the worst, <laughs> like, that's the worst for deer hunting. <laughs> right. I want to see nothing. I want to see a yep. wall of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 one of those things like that's what kind of what people want and versus what people don't want and and how they want their property to look and what's yeah what what you want to do with it. So again, just another source of of revenue that you can bring in. Um, what if we're talking about revenue? Have you ever talked or worked with anybody who thought about like leasing out their parcel for a week or two during hunting season? Or something like that, man. I personally haven't because everyone I typically deal with are just diehard fanatical whitetail hunters. Yeah. And so I could see that for turkey hunting for some of my clients. Um, I know that some of them just let their buddies go because they don't let their buddies deer hunt with them. So I think that's right. like a, a peace treaty for them. Uh, <laughs> so I mean that. I mean that's certainly. Let's say I'm, number one, you probably shouldn't overextend yourself too much. But let's just say if you did really miss the mark or. Uh, there's been layoffs uh, in a lot of the tech world. Let's say, you know, your world comes caving in a little bit. I mean, yeah, you could certainly do that. I mean, that resource is there. But uh, personally, if I'm doing that, man, I'm I'm out there to enjoy it. And uh, I will I'll selfishly enjoy it by myself. As bad as that sounds. <laughs> no, no, that's that's fair. It's uh, it's something that I've hemmed and hawed about because like, let's just say you buy 40. You, you buy a 40 and it's, uh, I don't know, you buy a 40 right now around me, a 40, like a good price on a 40 is about around my house um, would be about 300 grand. 
Like there was one that came up for 360 and it sold in three hours. Wow. Like it was there and it was gone. Like that's nine grand an acre. I was like, are you my real? I called my real estate. I was like, let's go look at that tomorrow. He's like, it's already sold. And I was like, what? I was like, dude, they accepted over asking within three hours. I was like, no shit. Okay. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's still happening a lot too, where I'm at. Um, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it, it is. And it when we'll get, we'll certainly get there. But like, you know, you, you look at a, you look at a piece, you buy a piece. Um, and then in six, eight years, you want to buy another piece in another like five, six years. And you're getting some rent, you're getting some tillable. Maybe you got a great promotion at work. You're able to buy some more. And in terms of like hunting, um, and this is another debate I have with my dad is, is my dad wants a compound. We have a hundred acres and he wants to buy up all the neighbors and have like 300 acres in one spot. And I'm like, I don't think we should do that. We should buy a hundred acres here and we should buy forties that are within four, five, six miles of here. So we can all stay here. But if we want to hunt a different parcel based on a wind or a buck, like you have like in 300 acres, you're going to have the same like six, eight really nice bucks versus if you have a hundred acres, you're going to have those same roughly, maybe you only have five bucks instead of six that are, that you're targeting. But on those uh, other forties that are three, four, five, six miles away, you're going to have different deer. So you can yeah. chase different animals throughout the year. So like, ideally you have the, your home piece and then you have your satellite pieces, right? If you're trying to really like build a whitetail hunting Mecca, like for yourself and your family. Yeah. With, with the most opportunities. <laughs> I, yeah. I think to your point, to have the most opportunities splitting up makes the most sense to maybe grow and hold one specific deer, a bigger chunk would maybe make sense. But I mean, that's really one deer. I mean, uh, from a numbers perspective or a numbers game, I think having more parcels would be fun. I had a client that had a, he bought an 80 and a 30 kind of in the same package. And one was on one side of the road and the other was on the other. And there was only one buck that was on both of them. So he got to hunt two different herds and we're just talking across the road, which the ter the terrain was a lot different. But I was like, man, that's awesome. And so he shot two bucks off the 30. He bucked out on the 30 and he didn't kill anything off the bigger piece. Cause when we were walking, when he bought the 30, I was like, dude, the 30 is better than the 80. Like, I'll be honest. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and then he yeah, so like, to, so like, there's a perfect illustration of it. 30 acres versus 80. You would think, oh man, I want the 80 because it's bigger. Well, the 30 was just in a much like just it, it's what we talk about of just right. what made the most sense. The right piece. Right. Exactly. And that's like, that's, that's one of the other big things about it. Um, but like in terms of, let's just say you're, you're trying to buy more and more land and, and you, you have this 40 that's sitting there, there's not really a great buck or, or it hasn't produced great bucks over the years. And you're like, well, I'll just try to cash flow this. I'll try to get some more money out of it. So I'll lease it out for a few weeks of the year. Maybe I'll sure. lease it out for gun season. Cause I never hunted for gun season anyway. And there's some bucks yeah. that people, you know, there's like, you know, two and a half or one and a half year old bucks and a bunch of does that people would love to hunt, but there isn't a good buck out like that, that I'm wanting to chase. Like yeah, that, yeah. that property just hasn't produced. So I will lease that out to people for gun season and charge them three grand for four guys or five guys or whatever. And I'll make a few extra dollars on that piece. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I've like somewhat considered um, in terms of giving people some, giving people who don't usually, cause that's even hard to find in itself is leased ground um, for oh, yeah. hunting because so and much gets, of it is taken. And that gets obviously more expensive with land prices too. Um, and that, the, here's my, here's my question for this one though. So that 40 that hasn't been produced over the last, why don't you sell it? Yeah. That'd be the other thing is <laughs> yeah. like, 
maybe maybe you want the land maybe you have future plans with it and sure. you want to keep it in a portfolio so you have the asset i i don't know or maybe it's like a good egg piece like and it's i don't know maybe you're like fighting for it's got a trout uh uh a trout creek on it and you like to fish it in the spring or it's a great freaking turkey piece and you go out there and you fill your tag every year right mm-hmm. away um, yeah. or you like go and chase tree rats out there all the time with the kids, like, and you don't care. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right? It's all what, it's whatever your goals are. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Everyone has, everyone's happy with something different. And I totally respect that. Right. And, but then the also, uh, like you, exactly like you said is, well, why don't you hold on to it for a couple of years? You realize it's not that great. Sell it, get rid of it. Um, yeah. And you know, land doesn't, oh, man, this guy that I know he, uh, he he made a lot of money and um trying to figure out how to say this. And he he was trying to find a place to park some money. Um and he was like, I just need to throw it into something that's potentially gonna go up in value. So a 50 acre chunk came up by us, and he was like, Yeah, I'll buy that. And he just bought it. I think he bought it for uh he bought it for th- uh 250, 250 grand. It was five grand an acre, and this was prior to this was in like 2019 or 20. right before it got crazy, <laughs> right before it got wild. Right. So he bought it. And then the next year he had it for a year and he was like, ah, I'm going to go buy a condo in Florida with that money. I'm going to sell it and and move it. He sold it for three thirty in a year. So he made yeah. 80, like 80 grand on it. And he was like, yeah. Good, and good and I asked him, <laughs> right. He was like, yeah, it just seems to be how it works. He sold it in the first day. The neighbor bought it because the neighbor wanted it the first time and hemmed and hawed about it. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. Then lost it. And was like, no, I'm buying it this time. <laughs> that happens. Dude. So there's a, it's so funny how that works like with the neighbor because, and this is something I, I've noticed here locally, local people remember that ground when it was super cheap. And they're like, I would never pay that. And then you get someone else that's outside of the area that's excited to pay that. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. And then all of a sudden the neighbor's like, oh crap. There's um, there was a parcel. Uh, I talked to a client and he bought a piece. Um, he did cut it. And this, this parcel sat on the market forever. And so he bought, he's like, I'm going to relist it with you. And I, I called him like, Hey, how's it going? And he's like, yeah. So you probably don't want to hear this, but I sold that parcel. And I was like, oh, really? Who bought it? So the neighbor. I was like, well, why didn't the neighbor buy it when it was listed forever? He's like, I don't know. It's, they want it now. <laughs> so that, and so it's like the same exact story right there. So that's funny you mentioned that. It's like yeah. this human psychology. It is. It's 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 strange. It's it's very strange. Um, but then he made the money and moved it into a condo and made some money there. But yeah, it's one of those things like buying and selling land. Like it's certainly doable. You just have to. I asked him one time. Um. I said, how do you, how do you, why I like at the time he bought that for two fifty. I was like, cause land in that area was like four ish, 4,500 an acre. And this piece wasn't like outstanding. I was like, don't you think you over like, don't you, when he initially bought it, he's like, I was like, don't you think you overpaid? He goes, and then you never, and this is like a dangerous, a very dangerous statement, but he goes, you never overpay because the price always goes up. Yeah. And I was like, on everything, he goes, I've never bought, well, you got to be somewhat intelligent. He goes, but I've never bought anything where I've had to sell it for a loss in five years. Like that's, that's the key thing though, the five years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause you have to cover all your taxes and taxes and fees and everything for, for purchasing the land. You need to hang on to it. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> and typically over a scope of 
the stock market, there's a, there's some stats on this, but if you are within the stock market for with five, let's say you bought on the absolute worst day and you wait five years, you're going to get a return. And so I think that to me is time heals all bad deals. So like if you do, let's say you really want a parcel and you're willing to pay, you know, quote unquote, overpay five, 10%. If your plan is to hold on to it for five or six years, you're going to be okay. Um, so that's, that's what I, I think some people, everyone wants a deal. And sometimes it's like just getting started is maybe more important than waiting for a quote unquote deal. And I was just reading, a, I, was, I subscribed to a newsletter that has like a lot of good news every, like it's, it's, it's the quickest way to get informed quickly. And uh, they had a chart on if you missed the top days of the stock market, like the biggest moving days of what your returns would be. And if it's, it's just simply time in the market beats time in the market. And I think people have these, this anecdotal crazy stories of the so-and-so guy that bought it for a thousand and dollars an acre and sold it for six. Like it's everyone thinks they can do that, but man, you gotta, you gotta have a little bit of luck. You gotta be the right place at the right time. But what if you just made a sound good investment and got started rather than sitting and watching the world go by? Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's, you know, I hate to be that, that exception comparatively to what you just talked about, but that's <laughs> like, I wanted, we had some money, um, to buy land and my, and I didn't, I didn't have any money. My dad had money. And so I was like hitting on him like, Hey, you should buy this. Hey, you should buy this. And he's like, Nope, I want, and in his mind, he goes, I want running water. I want 50% egg. I want a nice woods and I want it to be under uh three grand an acre. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you are, yeah, no, <laughs> like that's not going to happen. Um, and that was five years ago. So that would have been in 2018. I was like, you're, or we started looking in 2010. So oh. like, and it was eight years later, found a piece on Craigslist that was listed at three grand an acre that had all that. We ended wow. up paying four grand an acre because we got into a bidding war, but like now that piece is, you know, we're seven or eight grand an acre in five yeah. years. Like there's nothing in the neighborhood that has what, what it has. Um, but we were looking for it for eight years. If you're willing to wait and just like sit and sit and sit and knock on doors and like Craigslist, we bought it on Craigslist. Yeah. That's so like, and it, yeah. And, and, and we looked at it on Wednesday and we inked the deal on Saturday because they were coming back for a funeral. Cause the guy, their dad who owned it and always went there, everybody, no one wanted it in the family and everyone was out of town. So it was just like everything kind of pulled together for us in that scenario. Um, but it just wasn't, uh, uh that's, that's very odd, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so, and most cases, what people are are looking for is like, you're on realtor.com, you're on Zillow or Redfin or whatever, and you're, you're scrounging, you're hooked up to the MLS through, through you or somebody else. And, and you're just like watching stuff come up. It comes up for sale. You got to keep an eye on it. If you want the deal, uh, a buddy of mine bought 40 and it came up on Wednesday afternoon and he offered uh, over asking 8 a.m. the next morning and said, I need an answer by noon today um, or else I'm pulling my offer. Like you have four hours to decide. I'm offering you more than what you asked for. Um, and so he ended up buying a 40 acre chunk for, I think it was 310. So that wasn't, that was a lot, you know, say over just over seven, around seven grand an acre. 
but he was like, yeah, it's totally worth it. I wanted it. I didn't want anybody else having it. And it was in an area where seven grand an acre is, uh, is like normal. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's a good deal in that area. So I wanted it. So yeah. it's just, yeah. One of those scenarios. Yeah. Well, once again, everyone has goals. Like if, uh, if you want to steal, uh, be be realistically patient <laughs> and then if you want uh if you just find something you really want then just buy it and if everyone like everyone has different goals the one thing too <clears throat> land typically appreciates about six percent a year over like a long scope of time so um i mean land hypothetically should double in value let's say every roughly let's just say eight years i don't have the formula right in front of me yeah. so if if you just buy something and hold on to it for let's say eight years, you're going to be okay. I'm not going to say it's going to double, but you're going to be okay. No matter. I don't want to say no matter what, because there's no absolutes, but you should be okay. (laughs) Right. And in the other, and I remember I talked to Greg, uh, Greg Lissinger, who's a guy on the Drury outdoors. He lives down the road for me. And he really, yeah. 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 Funny, funny story. I had a, I had a a farm next to one he used to own. Oh, (laughs) really? Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I got to catch up with him. He's one of those guys I got to catch up with for beers because he lives 15 minutes from me. And we got on the podcast. I didn't even realize that he was let he lived that close. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I talked to him and he was like, his words of wisdoms are you can't afford to not buy land. I like that. <laughs> so so he was like, he was like, if you're a hunter and you want to do that, like, there's no other better spot to park your money now, whether or not like you have to have money to park it first. Right. That's, that's the hard part. Right. And, and for like in his mind where he was in life, he had the money to be able to park it and, and go. And a lot of us, um, you know, you're 28, I'm 32, like our lives and our financial lives, especially if you go to college or, um, you're trying to have kids and you're trying to get a house and all that stuff. Like we have a lot of other, like, priorities that we're putting ahead of land. Um, and even just like saving up dollars, like that's not always the easiest thing to do either. Um, especially in a, in a market like this, where everybody's trying to spend and keep up with Joneses and all that jazz, like you have to really like bring your money in so you can afford the 15% down on a piece that you want, right. Or 30% down or whatever that bank's giving you. Um, then the, uh, uh, or so, so being younger, it's harder to do that. And when you're 45 years old, you've had a lot more time to build up that, that savings account so that you're able to park your money there. Yeah. And if you think you're going to live to 85, like that's four years that you're going to be like working through that land. That's plenty of time yet. Right. Yeah. That's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I would say the other side of that is, um, dude, I drove like a crappy car. I lived very below my means and that's the only way I could only afford what I've like to buy a, if you would have told me four or five years ago that I would have bought a house in 40 and then another another farm I would have said you're crazy but it's been some lucky breaks along the way and just I don't have a giant income it's literally just living extremely below my means <laughs> so <laughs> but then you're able to own that right yeah. yep you're able to own the the land like that's what it's worth is is like is is the brand new you know f-150 the 2023 worth not having a 40 like effectively like that's what you're like if you buy a seventy thousand dollar truck and it's a thousand or eight hundred dollars a month and you're that's that's a 40 right you're getting freaking close you're getting really close whereas if you buy 
a $3,000 civic for cash, like you're not, it, it's whatever you want in life. Yep. Right. I drove, I drove a 2004 Hyundai Elantra for like three years. I bought it for 2000 bucks off Craigslist. And dude, it was funny. Cause I was selling real estate in that thing too. And this is my, this is my mental gymnastics. Like if people don't want to do business with me, cause I drive a crappy car then I don't want to do business with them. It definitely probably hindered some business, but, <laughs> but regardless, <laughs> that was my, that was my mental obstacle for that. But I mean, yeah, to your point, that's how exactly how I looked at it. And I think that's something that that's land is way more within people's reach than what they realize. They just have to make a few sacrifices. You can't have it all. So, you know, prioritize and what's more important, like to your point. Uh, so about $500,000, this is obviously, I, I ran the numbers on this, but basically let's say a 5% interest rate, this is, isn't going to be exact, but 5% interest rate, every $500 is $100,000 of borrowing power. So let's say you have a $1,000 truck payment, or let's say your household is $1,500 of um, car payments, student loans, everything else. I don't have the math right in front of me, but that's a lot. Like that is, that is a farm of some sort. Absolutely. And if you guys are living within that, then you make those transitions. Now you have something that's appreciating versus a bunch of stuff that's depreciating or just a cash suck. And then it's, you, you start the snowball there. So that's, I think car payments are the, are, are, are bad or payments in general that doesn't help you towards your goal is what's holding you back. Yeah. That <clears throat> the long-term goal versus the short-term goal, right? Yeah. I want to look cool in my nice F-150 or my Dodge Ram or my Chevy 1500 for everybody else. <clears throat> um, or, and, and I want to go to the bars every weekend and I want to eat out for dinner every night and I want to buy what I want to buy. I want to dress in nice clothes. I want to do all this stuff. Or do I want to live below my means, but I own an 80 or I own a 40 or yeah. I have my own piece of ground out, out the back of my house. Like, sacrifices and choices that people make <laughs> and some people right. might want a nice like i get if you want a nice truck i have no problem with that but don't say don't say i'm lucky or like anything like that like because i don't like we all make choices you made yours i made mine like that's right. fine <laughs> yeah exactly like i have a uh so this is one thing my my friends <laughs> give me shit for all the time um and that is i have a mismatched topper so oh, nice. <laughs> my, my topper does not match my truck. And they're like, dude, you need to paint that. And I'm like, nah, they're like, dude, it's only 500 bucks. And I'm like, yeah, it's expensive. It's $500. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> now you all know this is me rolling down the road. When you see the mismatch top, you can wave. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. That's like one of the, that's one of the, my, I, and, and after about like six months of them giving, I bought it. I needed it for an elk hunt. Uh, I didn't need it. I really wanted it for an elk hunt because I wanted a truck bed camp. I didn't want to go buy a, 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 a tent. I just wanted a topper. That way I could have everything in there. If it snowed, whatever, like it was, everything was cool and good. and It was just easier. Um, so I got the topper and then my friends gave me shit for it for about six months. And then it just became something I'm not going to do just to spite them. <laughs> right because i was considering painting it i was like yeah you know i probably should when i bought it and then i was like not anymore <laughs> that's hilarious yeah <laughs> um but uh but yeah so with the with the land piece um checking out like so we talked about banks we talked about the type um what about like in terms of how do you go about like assessing what is, what is fair market? Cause like some people around me think that 
their land is worth $12,000 an acre. And some people around me think their land is worth seven or eight. So the the market always dictates what it's worth. So people can say they can list it for whatever they want, but what is, what are, what are things really selling for? <clears throat> and I think probably uh, getting a real estate agent that's doing deals in that area is going to know. Um, I mean, I'm fanatically scouring for comps all the time. I mean, I, I buy the newspaper so I can look at the land transfers. I uh, pay for the land sales bulletin so I can look at that quarterly and then go look all of them. Like every single one that uh, I mainly focus on recs. So like every piece that has a, in Illinois, it's a PI rating. So I go in there, I sort it by worst PI to best. And I just start from the bottom and I start looking all of those up and building a frame of reference. Like this sold for that, this one sold for that. And then that way, I can assess things pretty quickly. What's PI? Uh, just productivity index. So like this is a soul rating. So I don't know what it is in, in uh, Wisconsin, but like Iowa's the CCR. It's like every state is a little bit different, but um, <clears throat> so yeah. And usually by looking at the productivity, you can tell how hilly it is, how, how productive it is. So I can usually guess of like, okay, this is a bluff farm because the PI is really bad. And then, so I go in there, I look and like, yep, that's where it's oh. at. So, so it's, it's a farm, it's a farm rating, like tillable, not tillable. Yeah. Like how productive is the crops on this piece? Yeah. And upland forest is much lower. So that's where you can just kind of look at it and then see if it's a, a timber track or actual row crop production, or if it's a mixed use parcel, maybe, um, there's like a, a buffer between those. And then I just look all of them up. So long story short is find someone like me in your area that <laughs> looks up all, all the land prices and they'll tell you what it's, uh, you know, find something that's, um, you know, just buy something at fair market value, buy something right. And having a good agent is going to help you dictate that because it is, it is confusing because I mean, there was an auction yesterday that I watched. Um, I didn't watch. I went back and checked afterward and I had a guess on where some of these would go. They went for drastically more than what I thought. One parcel went for about what I thought, and the rest of them were well above. So an auction is the 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 best form of telling you what something's worth because people are going to buy it that day. And so that's just uh, kind of a nuance here, but it's mm -hmm. just, it's very dynamic. You just, I think having someone, if you're not doing all the research yourself, you need someone that is. Gotcha. So, okay. So that in the PI index, like when you're looking through all that, are there, when you come across one that surprises you, are you like, okay, what is that? What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, a lot of them I just look up regardless because I want to see what I just want to see how the parcel looks. Um, and with all the tools that are out there now, like that I'm that I'm using, you can I can go into a different county and, and learn it relatively quick, or at least get a, a firm understanding. The cool thing about Land Sales Bulletin is it shows on there's a comment section to tell you if it was a sold at auction or if they were related or if the owner was adjacent too, because that's the other thing mm. that you know, with, if they're related, obviously you can't use that as a comp. If they're adjacent owner, maybe they would have paid more than what someone else would have, or maybe it was an auction, which I think is a really good indicator of what something is worth. So <clears throat> once again, inefficiencies in the market, most, most people aren't looking at all those different things. So the more, whoever has the most knowledge wins. Uh, so it's right. like, uh, the more you can look up and the more firm understanding you can get, the more yeah. you know, sharp your pencil can be. That may, yeah, that makes sense. And spending spending time yourself and then also an agent and trying to like, you know, just keep an eye on everything. That's why I think like if you're looking to buy this year, you better start looking now. Um, yeah. But so then you at least have an idea and you're like, and when you when you see a deal, you know, it's a deal. Right. Mm -hmm. you, yeah, exactly. But so I'm at the point right now where I've told my um, real estate agent that his name's Austin. I'm like, if this type of piece comes in, in this price, like call me immediately 
we'll put the deal together and send it to him right away. Like, we'll just buy it. Like, I'm just, yeah. I'm interested in just buying it at this point. Um, mm-hmm. I know what I want to spend. I know what we're willing to spend. And it's just like set. Like, if yeah. it's in this area, because that piece that came up that sold for nine grand an acre, that was, I would have 100% bought that for price if it was in somewhat of a different location. Like, I needed it slightly different. But if, like, we want to just, for us, what's important, and this is a whole nother thing. For us, it's about the school district. I got a three, I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And I want, if, if we move, I want to move to the school district that we want to live in um, and, and grow in and everything. And so I want the peace in that district. If, if so, like, that's part of my criteria. Once again, everyone has different goals. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Right. Um, is it a good idea to buy at an auction? Yeah. I mean, I, I do think, um, absolutely. I, I, it's different in every part of the country too. So <clears throat> where I'm at, a lot of stuff goes to auction. So if you're not willing to buy at auction, you're not going to be willing to buy. So it's like, <laughs> that's just the way it goes. Um, and there's, I mean, there's yes, but you have to be really educated. I mean, buying something at auction is a lot less favorable than buying something listed. It's 10% down day of auction. Usually it's ult- uh, ultimate close, no matter what, it's not contingent on financing. It's not contingent on due diligence. It's as is, where is today is going to get sold. So if you're really confident, it's great. But if this is your first piece and you're kind of just trying to dip your toe in the water, um, <clears throat> I would say that would be something you just want to be really sharp with. And the other thing too, is you can't really have a buyer's agent help you either. Cause it's just, you're kind of on your own, man. So it's like, that's, if you're comfortable with that, awesome. But if, if you're just kind of getting started, um, then I would maybe consider looking at listings. But once again, it comes down to your goals. I find that some auctions go for like yesterday. They went for higher than what I would have. They went higher than what I would have listed it at. If they called me and said, Hey Jake, we want to list this farm. I, it, it went for more than that. So I would have been, that's just the interesting thing. And then there's other times at auctions where I went to one about three or four weeks ago. It was a tillable track. I just went to go see it. And it went for, <clears throat> I would say conservatively $1,500 under an acre than where it should have been. Like if they called me on that one and I said, Hey, let's set the reserve of this. If we don't get that, then don't sell the farm. Cause we didn't do a good enough job. And it went for $1,500 less than what that mark was. So that's just, once again, the Delta of auctions. And then sometimes yeah. they fall right where they're supposed to. That's interesting. Have you ever like participated in one yourself to buy a piece? Um, or no? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been, I've been bidding on some here lately and, uh, you know, I have my hard number and if it, once it gets to that, I'm done. So, uh, but one of them, one of them was a, this, a little piece and I did a lot of due diligence on it. I went and walked it multiple times. I, I pulled out the phone books, made some phone calls and I found out that the parcel was appraised at, it was an estate appraised for 4,800. I'm like, okay, well I want to buy it slightly below appraised value, not much, but just a little bit. <clears throat> and then, so this is my number It sold for 55 an acre. So I went well above the actual appraised value. Yeah. So that's just, that's where you just have to be really educated. And let's say, and I was going to finance that deal too. So let's say it appraised for 48, I buy it for 55 and then my bank's going to go hire a different appraisal. And let's say it comes in at 48, 49. Well, now I got to do an appraisal gap and now I have more cash. And now it, this is a completely different scenario than what I thought. And so that's where you have to be. Like I said, it's not, it's not rookie hour. I hate to like, I hate to say right. it like that. But it's not rocket science either. If you do your research, you can certainly go in there with confidence. 
Gotcha. No, that's interesting. I have no, like a few pieces around me have been like up for auction. Here's the date. You can walk it beforehand or drive bys only like yada, 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 show up at this time in this place. And I've been like, I'm interested to see what that actually sells for. Um, but I'm not also not interested in sitting there in an auction um, for this piece, particularly because I know one of the pieces went for auction um, and it was like 80 acres and it was in a good spot. Like I, I was very interested in, in seeing what that went for. I didn't have any money to buy it at the time. And whoever bought it must have been a farmer because within like six months, there was a house and a chunk of woods that were separated on it. Both of those were for sale. Like, mm. boom, boom. So he bought it and then it was parceling it out right away, trying to get mm. rid of it uh, for, you know, he just wanted the tillable, nothing yeah. else. Here where I'm at in Illinois, I think auctions are probably the future. Uh, I just think uh, there's a really big push. And I think for a lot of parcels, it is the best sales method. I really do think because this is the type of auction you want to go find or try to buy. The one that's really hard to find. <laughs> Like the one that the auction company that does a fantastic job and you see Facebook ads every time you get on there and you go to the gas station, you see their flyer, then you open land watch and it's on land watch. That one's probably going to go for at market or slightly above. And then boom, that is the new market price because I went for that at auction. So, um, but if you just find one, that's kind of a, maybe a smaller auction company, that would be <clears throat> something I would target. And it takes, once again, it takes more due diligence and, just whatever you want to put into it. Or if you just, you're happy, like I just want a good piece. I'm an open realtor in Zillow and I don't want to do a bunch of this stuff. That's fine too. Cause there's still deals out there too. You just might, you just patience. That's all it comes right. down to. Yeah. Patience, understanding the market and then knowing like what's a good deal and what's not. So then you can jump on a piece within hours of it going and being like, yep, send in the full offer now. Yeah. Like here's the, here's the other thing too, though. Like the last three years, you couldn't, you couldn't have made a mistake. I mean, there might be a time here where you can make a mistake. So uh, like, I do not want an ounce of uh, like cockiness coming from me right now. Like I understand there's, there could be mistakes here where no one knows what's around the corner. So that's uh that's just another thing too, just because it's always been good here. That doesn't necessarily predict future, you know, future growth. <laughs> so like that's the financial, <laughs> right? That's my, yeah. that's my disclosure, but I don't know, man, it's, it's really exciting. I, I just, I just love it. I just, um, I'm fascinated by it. I'm, I'm fascinated by just the inefficiencies in the market. And I think there'll be a time you talk to, like we talked to Bill Winky, we talked to a lot of these different guys and they talked about how easy it was back then. I guarantee you and I are going to be talking about how easy it was now when we're <laughs> their age. So that's my whole thought process too. It's like, it's only going to get twice as hard, twice as hard, twice as hard, twice as hard. So that's why I think it's just really important to get started. And, and if you don't, Action, whether you have to take action to learn, if you don't take action, you're never going to learn. So let's say right. you buy your first one. You're like, uh, I missed the mark just by a little bit. Well, next one, then when you buy a different one, you're going to learn a little bit more. So like, that's right. You just got to take action. Yeah. So in that sense, you know, one of the other things is if your budget's 1400 a month, like we talked about earlier, maybe you want to start with a piece that's a thousand bucks a month. So you're not like maxing yourself out in case shit kind of goes a little sideways on you. Right. Yeah. And if it goes great, hold on to that for three, four years, have a good time on it, sell it, and then move up, move your budget around. And you'd be like, okay, now we can do this. You have something closer right. to home, something a little bit bigger. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And be, and you're more comfortable with it because you've already done one deal. And then maybe you can, maybe you start doing multiple deals. And instead of doing uh one $1,800 deal, you're doing two $800 deals or two $900 deals. 
right? Yeah. And you're able to afford that or whatever, how it works and you're off and running. 100%. So no, that's a great, that's a great point. I, you know, and, and just buying land and, and owning your own piece of ground is something I, a lot of hunters want to do. Like it's everyone's dream to some, right? to some regard that everyone has dreamed yeah. about it at some point. Right. And just having your own piece to set your own tree stands, make your own food plots, cut your own trails, manage your own herd or whatever, like have a place where you can go. Like for, for my wife, she's like, I don't, I enjoy that you can go out the door and go hunting in five minutes and you can be out on the public ground and then you can come home. And that's like, that's cool. That's fine. I don't really want my four-year-old son going out there with a whole bunch of hooligans with guns. Like Mm -hmm. we don't like, we don't know what's going to happen. I would really, really appreciate it if we had 15 or 20 acres that we can buy and then our son can go hunting out there to get started versus yeah. going out on the public ground. So like that's another you know thing that goes on in my household. And I'm like, I don't think there's a risk at all on the public ground, but also like private ground is generally less riskier, especially during gun season, which I'm not like super interested in taking the kids out there anyway, but even pheasant hunting or squirrel hunting, like there's people slinging light out there that don't necessarily know what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh Yeah. You you just get to go enjoy it how you want to. uh, Yeah, exactly. All right. Any other, what else should we, so we talked about the banks. We talked about the type of land. We talked about auctions and, and getting your financing and all that together. Um, and, and income, is there anything else that you kind of cover, with people when you first start talking to them? Um, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, the land podcast, we've covered just about everything you can think okay. of just about, but um, <clears throat> those are the big ones. Like save number one, t- start talking to some banks to figure out what is the, where's the goal. Okay. I need to save X amount so I can get started. And then number two, start, get another job or cut your expenses so you can get there. N- number three, yeah. Rely on someone that's an expert. That's really going to help you. And then number four, buy it, like it, pull, pull the trigger, do it. And then just keep moving on and learning from there. I mean, that's really, uh, we can, we can make things sometimes more complicated than what it is, but I would say in a couple sentences, that's, that's the plan. Okay. Got it. Good. All right. So, and one thing you kind of like subtly mentioned there, and I'd like to just like call out the land podcast, that's Jake's podcast. Um, and so if you want to know more about it, go check that out. You've covered a ton of topics on there. Um, listen through those more detail, more information um, on different topics, different parts, different parts of the country. I imagine you said you were talking to somebody in the South We're you're in Illinois, I'm in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. you know, people in Iowa, Bill Winky. Um, so yeah, great spot to gain some more detail. Um, I've learned a ton. I, I'm so thankful I started that and uh, I've learned so much. So I encourage other folks to, to check it out because the goal, so I say in the beginning of every episode, but the goal is to help 100 people buy their first piece of ground. And so whether that's just simply they learn something and they take action with confidence, and that is the whole goal of it. So that's just, I don't have any sponsors, no ads, no nothing. It's literally just value because I think yeah. that's how passionate I am about it and how inefficient the market is. So let's let's all learn together. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, All right, so that being said, the rival, let's talk about that yeah. quick. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been working on this here for a little bit and we, the cell camera market space has changed so much over the last couple of years. Um, the render is a really strong camera still is today, but there's clear demand for a more cost competitive cell camera. So 
we came up with the rival. Um, and so far we launched this earlier this week and acceptance has been really awesome. Um, people are very excited about it. We sold a bunch of them. Uh, so that's, that's very good. I would say for someone that is looking for an affordable cell camera, the rival, I think is probably one of the best options. Obviously I'm, I'm biased when I say that, but, uh, $180 for a, a cell camera with a five-year warranty. Our data plans are very fair. Um, there's like no upsells for HD images and all those other knickknack things. This is a very straightforward, solid camera. Pictures are very good. Um, it is a red glow clam camera, but I'll, so all my other, aside from the track, that was a red glow, uh, low glow as well. But I, with, I've been using the renders and lip twos, which are no glow. And this camera, I personally have not seen any negative occurrences with, with bucks or, or deer seeing the flash. Um, I had bucks bedding in front of my rival all season. I put it up. I, it was kind of dumb luck. I put it in the spot I was really curious about and I didn't see a worn in bed. And then there's, I've had, I think I had seven different bucks bed in front, of, right in front of the camera, not all big, but they're just chilling right there at night and yeah. I'm getting pictures of them for 20 minutes and they're relaxed. So if that's not a good case study, I don't know what is. And yeah. <clears throat> it's just a solid camera. We have all the specs on our website, exodusoutdoorgear.com. And then we actually did a live stream and answered customer uh, questions. And we top to bottom, if you watch that, I, I don't think there'll be really any questions, but it's a solid, solid camera. And, and if you have any questions or things I need to highlight, I would be happy to do so. Cause I kind of, I'm, I'm familiar with it. So I take that, I take that for advantage. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. You can find all the specs online, but I just wanted to, to talk about it a little bit in the sense of like, I've used the Trek, I've used the lifts. Um, I, I think they're great cameras. Um, I do have to send you my lift. I am going to exercise that warranty. I you got should. some ants in there and it is, it, it turns on everything works, but it won't send me pictures. So I got to call customer service. It's one of the, like the things on my 900 things on my to-do list to like For fix sure. that. Cause it might just be me. Um, cause it says it's like going and I get the report through scout tech. It's like, yep, we're up and running. And then I get zero pictures. So I don't know what's like happening there. Um, yeah, we, we, we can help you. You call us in, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll look at the backside of it and figure out what we need to do. And if we need to fix or replace it, uh, we will do so. All right. Awesome. So, and that's like the big, that to me is the biggest draw, um, for like your cameras are great and they do do really good like i do not have any complaints on trigger speed or missing photos or anything like that um at all but but having that warranty and having the customer ser service team like you guys you said you have eight new people um a few of them are our are, are cs people and being able to just call in talk to somebody talk about your camera having help like you don't get that from like a browning you don't get that from other mole trees or whatever like you have to go through all these layers with these much larger companies um for a sim very similar priced camera and you get like the five-year five-year no bs warranty like to me that just makes sense especially if you're if you're on public ground now the like lift the lift two i i really like but clearly they're more expensive i think they're like 350 or something like that so the the render is the other cell camera the, yes. sorry yeah the yeah. render yeah, the render. And we actually marked that down to 275 on our website right now. So is. it is a little bit more affordable. Still, I mean, that camera is a beast. Um, so we have options. And I think uh, no now we have options for every budget and every goal now. Yeah. So that's to us really important. And the other thing too that, that we do is we have the Exodus podcast. We have a YouTube channel. 
And we simply just try to educate people. You go to our website, we have blogs on how to use cameras, how to troubleshoot, regardless of what brand you're using. And so by being consumer direct, we just simply want to put out good information, educate people. And then obviously we hope that after they're educated, they want to buy one of our cameras because it'll hopefully make more sense after we educate you about the about <laughs> cameras. So um, yeah, man, it's, we, we, uh, we have a really talented team and work really hard and <clears throat> it's uh this is the eighth year we'll be in business in May. And sometimes it feels like we're just getting started here yet, which is crazy to say. Right. No, it's, and it's awesome. Cause it's, it's, I, I'm excited. To, I'm like, it's been fun watching the company grow, watching you guys grow and seeing all the success and all the new, you know, the new podcast, the YouTube channel, the whitetail cribs, like that's all like, I've enjoyed that entire, like watching all that grow. Yeah. Um, and this, that, yeah, the new rival, like, I think it's, it, I don't have any, obviously I don't have any yet. Um, but I will be buying some and I'll be running them this fall. Uh, cause one of the, one of the things that I have to do is, is I've been hunting my private piece almost exclusively, like with, with here and there chunks and, and moving out into the public. Um, and after four years of like exclusively hunting that and getting one or two opportunities per year and not being able to seal a deal, like I'm like, all right. I'm done with the fascination of this private ground. I'm just going to go where the deer are at this point. Um, yeah. And hopefully it's on the private ground. But um, if there's a really nice buck hitting a scrape on piece of public by my house, like I I'm going there versus yeah. the, the private ground. <laughs> um, I talked to, I talked to Johnny Behart yesterday for the Exodus podcast. And he says any given year, he has 40 spots ready to go. Yeah. And like, those are, I got rookie numbers compared to John <laughs> I don't have 40 spots. Right. And that's, yeah, that's, I I'm not, I'm not there yet, <laughs> but it would be really nice to like, the reason I want to get these is I'm going to put them out on the public and in some, like I've hunted this piece of public for seven years now. Um, and I want to, I have kind of narrowed down spots where big bucks are showing up. I've kind of nixed out all the little guys, the spots that look good, that aren't good. Um, and moved on to just like, here's where big bucks kind of show their face here and there. And that's where I'm going to be rolling out these cameras. Um, and I'm going to be checking though. And now that they're cell cameras, I can just hang them, hang them up, get them set and just keep an eye on everything. And if one's showing up, like I'm in, um, cause you're the, the app is scout tech, correct? Yep. The app scout yep. tech. So, um, your current plan, you just register the rival right into your <clears throat> current existing app and it's really easy to use and set up. We'll have tutorials on that. I know there there's friction points with cell cameras and getting them registered is po probably one. We try to make that process as easy as possible. Um, so it is pretty darn simple. And if you have any issues, you can watch one of the videos. Yeah. I didn't, when I set up my first one, the render, my first render, I didn't think it was a problem. Like I didn't have a problem with it, but good. Um, yeah, it's seven, seven bucks for the line. Is that, a, that's a month. And then, then you pick your data plan after that. Yep. So it's seven. So let's say you have four cameras. So four times seven, seven dollar line fee per camera. And then you buy data and you can share all the data with all the cameras. So one data plan. Oh, nice. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, it's not per camera. Data is shared and pooled with all of them. And the $7 line fee, I mean, it costs money to be on Verizon's network and that's basically a pass through. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, that, that may, I like the fact that you don't have to buy a data plan per camera like that. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, um, yeah. And looking through those, it can be anywhere from a, a dollar to $200 a month, 10 gigs. If you're sending 10 gigs, that is a, 
That's a lot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. so I, I run, um, probably close to 25 cell cameras and I had the two gig plan last November and I had a gig, I had a gig going up to all that like leading up to the season. Then November was a little wild and a lot of windy days and, you know, stuff like that. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty affordable for running that many cameras with that amount of data. Can you, and I haven't even checked this, but can you, um, may I clearly I should, but I pay for like $5 a month. I pay the 50 megabyte. Cause we really don't, I get, you know, five, 10 pictures a day, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, can you do it like just through September, October, November, December, and then close it out? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. So you can, you can start it and end it, um, whenever. So, and then we see that a lot too on the back end. Most people, um, turn them off maybe this time of year and they'll, they'll fire them back up in September. So that's the beauty of that. There's no one year contract, two year contract, or it's pretty much all the cart, like pay, right. pay for, pay for what you need. Nothing Smart. else. Okay. Awesome. And then just a, a few of the, the specs, um, the rival $180, um, it runs on double A's, right? Yep. Eight, Li- you- yep. Eight lithiums. Um, so if you have one of the Exodus solar panels already, do the lithiums come with it? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> we'd have to sell the camera for like $205. Then. No, right? there's, yeah. Cause eight lithiums. Now expensive. I forget the day, man. I walked into Walmart to buy a camera batteries i think in like august or something like that and i grabbed a thing of lithium so like an experience dude like the 24 pack or whatever and it was like 67 dollars. i was like what yeah, yeah i i don't even know how much i spent on lithium batteries this year and that's where the solar panel used to be kind of hard to sell to be completely honest we we're looking at it internally how you know why aren't we selling more of these the break even is you know let's say a year and a half we sell a lot of solar panels now because the like the break even is you're going to save so much money by using them. And obviously you get a better, better use out of your cameras as well by not yeah. having to go and change batteries. But yeah, so eight, eight, um, double a lithium batteries. Uh, we have a solar panel on our website that is compatible with it and, uh, 0.3 uh, second trigger speed, 70 foot detection zone. I would say it's a little bit further than that. Um, but we always put those specs on the safe, uh, safe side of things. So worst case yeah. scenario, that's what you can expect. And, uh, transmission times are pretty fast. Obviously that's dependent on how good of service you have. This is an AT&T camera. This question we get all the time is, okay, it's an AT&T camera. Can I use my Verizon phone? Yes. It goes to scout tech. So as long <laughs> as the camera has AT&T signal, it'll work, uh, wherever there's signal with AT&T. Gotcha. Okay. How does that work? Do you want to talk about, is that something you don't want to talk about, but how do you like figure out if it goes with AT&T or Verizon or like who do you cut a deal with them? Do you talk to them? And like, so that's, that's more scout tech, scout tech side of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but for, you have to get, there's pro that's different for each carrier, but like, let's say for the render, uh, that was our first uh, cell yeah. camera. We had to go to Verizon. We had to pay a certification fee, which was really expensive. And then we had to develop the camera and I had to, perform to a certain degree of what Verizon would be willing to, you know, like put their stamp on. So there's a lot of Verizon testing. You had to do all these different things. It has to like, it's called lab testing. And then from there we're certified with Verizon. We're good. And then scout tech buys bulk data from Verizon. And then, you know, like that's the arbitrage of that, but um, <clears throat> it's getting, is this still kind of a unique space? Cause it's, it's crazy. I think people take for granted that you're literally putting a cell phone on a tree that takes pictures of deer 
I mean, that's crazy. Right? <laughs> so uh, I think we take that for granted sometimes with how complex these really are and how affordable they are. Yeah. Oh, I, I do, man. When people were like, when cell cams came out and they're like, yeah, seven bucks a month. I was like, really? Like, that's it. Like, that's, that's all you're paying. Cause you can't even, your phone line is 70 or $80 a month. <clears throat> yeah. Right. So yeah. it's like, Jesus, where is this? Like, you know, how is this possible? But I mean, I guess if you're, you know, it's minimal amount of data, it's in these different categories. You're not making phone calls. You're not doing like all this very app easy. data. Very, yeah. Very little data. <laughs> Yeah. Comparatively to what a phone and like, you know, you have no idea, like this is the, con not, I wouldn't say conspiracy because I think I'm, I'm beyond that, but this is like how much data is transmitting without you even knowing it's transmitting all the time. Oh yeah. You know, from your phone to the carrier to whatever apps open on the back yep. end and things like that. Like that's always like, you know, active and live. Yeah. Um. Okay. So the rival, good camera, Check it out. It just rolled out. Um, go take a look. If you guys are looking at cell cams, um, have at that one. Run it past what you think. And I always like to, I just like to try different things every year. The, I, I try all the Exodus cameras, um, mm -hmm. but it's been, yeah, it's been fun. Like this year I ran a, a buddy of mine gave me Tacticams. He's like, here's two Tacticams that I do not use. Go run them. I had good luck with them, but they're very similar price to this. And they don't have they have a shit warranty on them so like this is way better in my opinion like if you're going to spend the dollars spend the dollars yeah um, i mean 180 bucks divided by five years is 30 some dollars you're getting a cell camera for 30 some dollars a year yeah like and if i get ants in my tacticam i gotta go buy another tacticam correct like you just like it is whereas you guys are going to hook uh, uh, either 50 percent off or you just hook it up if it's totally so yeah, so like flood and, and damage usually fifty percent. Um, yeah, that's fair. So, I think that's fair because that's like, man, you'd have a lot of that shit coming in. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, and people sometimes get upset about that, but it's like five-year manufacturing warranty and then fifty percent off for theft and damage. Let's say you got stolen though, you're gonna go have to go buy a brand new camera, no matter who you're using besides Exodus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the other big one, especially if you're hunting public ground. Like if I throw these out on this public and one of them. You know, I, I hang them high and I put locks on them, but that doesn't mean like they're entirely safe. I actually have pictures of guys walking around with bolt cut. Like I could see the oh bolt cutters gosh. in their bag. I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. That's like, crazy. I'm glad you're not. I'm glad you walked right past my camera. Like, yeah. you know, I wonder who you're going. I hope there's a dude, there's a dick that hunts this piece and he locks on all of his tree stands and he's a jerk. I hope he was going to cut down his tree stands, which is totally illegal. And you can't hang permanent stands in wisconsin on public ground so it's totally illegal um and he's just he's not a nice guy so i was hoping i've ran into a couple times i was hoping that that's where the guys were going i was like good someone's giving that guy someone's being karma for that man today <laughs> <laughs> oh man but um but yeah besides the point um all right so that's that's the rival anything else about it just check it out go to youtube uh yeah. i imagine you guys have the live stream on there for details and all that fun stuff Absolutely. Yeah. You can go to the, the website, exodusoutforgear.com um, and look at all the specs, look at everything. And then obviously go to our YouTube channel as well. And you can, you can check that out. Or if you're just an audio guy, you can go listen to the podcast. We took the audio version of the live stream, put on uh, the Exodus podcast. So a lot of information out there, um, way more in depth than what we went into here today. So if you're really wanting to learn more, hopefully you can walk away from that video with no questions. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for the time today, Jake. Appreciate it, man.
always thanks for having me good luck on uh on the on the search for a new parcel <laughs> yeah thank you i i need it it's been an ongoing effort and i think i've kind of hit that uh tipping point where i'm like all right i know what i'm willing to spend i know where we want to be i have everything kind of outlined let's just get the piece to pop up and here we go <laughs> hopefully that's where it's at all right. So thank you everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. You enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe. Like if you like Jake, it's at Jake Hofer, J-A-K-E, um, H-O-F-E-R. It's in the show notes as well. Um, same with ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Um, check out the Land Pros podcast. So go look at all that stuff if you're interested in any of it. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. Catch you next time.